Welcome into the Stop and Pop podcast. Today is May 11th, 2020. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Stop and Pop podcast. I'm your host, as always, Anthony Galler. Yesterday was Mother's Day, of course, so happy Mother's Day to all the amazing mothers out there. Hope you're feeling loved and appreciated, as you should be. Um, And also, we had the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, episodes 7 and 8, yesterday night. So the next podcast I do, I'll do a, a more comprehensive look back and my final thoughts on the MJ documentary in its totality. So we have a lot going on, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the NBA as well. So we're going to get right to it today. Thank you again for joining me on the Stop and Pop podcast. And we're going to start with this today. Kevin Durant, there's been a lot of speculation, um, a lot of people out there saying that, especially with the league being on the hiatus that it's been now two full months since the league has gone on its, on its hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of people out there speculating that maybe Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets, his first year as a Brooklyn Net, could return at some point and potentially, as the Nets get into the playoffs here, if we have a playoff, hopefully we do, uh, Kevin Durant could be back for the Brooklyn Nets and be a piece of this team moving forward. Well, a lot of speculation, but it sounds as if that is highly, highly unlikely and not going to happen, at least according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, on his podcast earlier this week, the Woj podcast, said that Kevin Durant returning to the Nets this year is basically not going to happen. Basically saying that it's all but a formality at this point. He's not coming back. So when I look at uh, Kevin Durant, when I look at the Brooklyn Nets for this year, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And I totally 100% agree with the Nets, assuming that they do follow what uh, Woj said on his podcast and they don't bring Kevin Durant back at any point, regardless of when the playoffs start or whatever. Um, I, I, I totally agree with this move. Um, I think that Kevin Durant, look, he tore his Achilles. It hasn't even been a full year as of yet because we know it happened during the NBA Finals uh, last June. So it hasn't even been a full year removed from tearing his Achilles. Um, and when I look at this Brooklyn team, I look at Brooklyn for this season. They are currently the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they are an under 500 team right now, um, and so I don't see the reason to rush Kevin Durant back. I, I just don't understand why the Brooklyn Nets, after signing Kevin Durant this past offseason and bringing him over from Golden State, why would you in a year that could still be you know, a lost year at this point, um, but even if it's not a, a totally lost year for the NBA, it's still pretty much a lost year for the Brooklyn Nets. They're under 500. Kyrie hasn't been healthy this year either. So why would you rush this investment, this great investment that you've made on Kevin Durant? Why would you rush it to get him back out there and potentially you know, open up the possibility of him re-injuring the Achilles? Um, because that would be highly likely to happen if you were to rush him back and get him back out on the court for what has been a relatively lost season for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, yeah, they're in a they're in a playoff spot. They're the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference right now, but this is not a team. If you look at what Brooklyn has done so far this season, this is not a team in a position to make any sort of run at the NBA title this year. They're just not. Um, I think honestly, if Brooklyn were to even make the conference finals in the Eastern Conference, 
that would be one of the most unlikely runs in the NBA that we've seen in quite some time. So I just don't understand why. I, I'm not even really sure as to why there's been so much speculation and so many rumors about Kevin Durant coming back. I never really understood it. I've never really bought into it. You know, I've been hearing since the league, again, was shut down uh, two months ago now in March. I've been hearing since then, yeah, you know, Kevin Durant. Wow, this is great for Brooklyn. This gives Brooklyn time to get Kevin Durant back healthy, get him back out on the court, and now the Brooklyn Nets can make a run to the NBA Finals. No, I never bought into any of that. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, there's people looking for a, for a storyline. People looking for a storyline. People looking for something to talk about. Um, so I never, I never bought into it. And I think it would be foolish of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, one could argue that the Brooklyn Nets in recent history have not always been the uh, most wise organization. <laughs> but nonetheless, it would be foolish for the Nets to do this. Um, and, and, you know, when I look at Brooklyn, look, Brooklyn, I think even next year moving forward, if I'm being quite truthful, I think even next year moving forward with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and let's just pretend, which, you know, we certainly don't know this to be true, uh, but let's just pretend that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are completely healthy all of next year. Yeah, you know, they'll miss some games here and there, but they never miss significant time due to an injury of any sort. Let's just pretend that is the case next year. I still don't know if this Brooklyn Nets team is a team that's really capable of going very far in the Eastern Conference playoffs anyway, and that's next year if you have a healthy Kevin Durant and if you have a healthy Kyrie Irving. Because when I look at the Brooklyn Nets, Again, first of all, you have to understand that chemistry matters. Chemistry matters in the NBA. You know, you only have five guys out on the court, on the floor, one, at one time. So I think chemistry matters in a big way. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have not played together as of yet. So I think going forward, even in the next year, even if both guys are healthy for the entire season, it would be a big ask to say, Brooklyn, go out there and win the Eastern Conference. So I just don't see it happening. You know, when I look at the East... And I look at the current structure of the Eastern Conference, the, the Toronto Raptors, first of all, they're champions. Now, they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, but they're champions, and they have great chemistry. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know Giannis is going to be there for at least one more season. They have great chemistry as well. And the Boston Celtics, uh, the Boston Celtics, now that Kyrie Irving is not there, they seem to have a lot better chemistry this year as well. And not to mention, they're a very talented team. That always helps, too. So when I look at the Eastern Conference standings top to bottom, uh, in terms of like the contenders list, the Brooklyn Nets, even with a healthy Kyrie and Kevin Durant, are not at the top of my list anyway. And that's, that's next year or the year after, uh, assuming that both these guys can come back and be healthy. So I think when you look at 2020 and what could still be potentially, although I hope not, but could still potentially be a lost season, it makes no sense in my book whatsoever to rush Kevin Durant back out on the floor with a high probability of re-injuring that Achilles, knowing that he's not 100% yet, knowing that he still has a ways to go in his rehab process, and knowing that the Brooklyn Nets are the seven seed in the East. This is not a team that is the two or the three seed. They are a seven seed under 500 team, uh, and so it, it would make no sense to bring Kevin Durant back. I fully support the Nets on this one. Uh, you know, I don't know if Woj knows this to be a cemented fact or not, or if he's just giving his best guess and what he's hearing. 
But either way, I would be very shocked to see uh, the Brooklyn Nets bring Kevin Durant back, even if the NBA season is able to resume and the playoffs are able to resume. I still don't think it would be a very wise move on Brooklyn's part, and I fully support them not wanting to potentially ruin their investment for years going forward um, by bringing back Kevin Durant too soon. So you can pretty much at this point, at least according to what Woj said, and if you've been hearing what other people have said as well, uh, you can pretty much rule out Kevin Durant coming back for the Brooklyn Nets this season. Put those rumors to bed. Put that speculation to bed. It is not going to happen. Um, and I, it's the right move for Brooklyn if they want to potentially contend in the years going forward. Uh, so that was topic number one. We're going to segue into this now. Uh, so speaking of the NBA season potentially resuming, uh, you know, we're going to know more about this in the coming weeks. There's been uh, more speculation going on, of course, with facilities. Re you know, some teams can have their facilities reopening, but some teams cannot. It just depends what state you're in and what the what the guidelines are in each state right now. So it's a very gray situation uh, for the NBA and for the league right now in terms of how they can really approach the efforts to potentially resume this season. So one of the guys who I love, uh, but one of the guys who had comments on this potential NBA season uh, is Shaq. Now, I love Shaq. I think he's a great personality. Now, not only is he one of the greatest players, certainly one of the greatest centers, but I think one of the greatest players to have ever played the game of basketball. Um, he's an awesome, he's an awesome personality. He's an awesome commentator, awesome personality. Um, I love seeing him on TV, love seeing him in the commercials. You know, he just makes, he makes the league more fun. He's a fun guy. So, uh, I love Shaq, but I did not love his comments that he recently had earlier this week regarding the NBA season and if the season should resume. So, to paraphrase without going into the full thing again, uh, Shaq basically saying that the NBA should scrap this season um, and that nobody would respect the champion if the NBA were to resume because of, I guess in his mind, just because of the fact that we've had this much of a layoff and, and you know, the disruption in the season and everything that's gone into it. So he said, NBA should scrap the season. Nobody's going to respect the champion. Uh, just move forward, basically said, move forward to 2021. Try to put the best product and the best plan out there for 2021. Um, I disagree, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't understand why somebody would not respect the champion. I, I, I'm confused about that. I think that obviously, and you know this goes without saying, but obviously this has been uh, one of the most fascinating, unpredictable, and just disruptive NBA seasons that the league has ever seen. It, you know, it's potentially, potentially the oddest sports year, not just really basketball, but just all sports together potentially the oddest sports year that we've ever seen, you know, at least in our lifetimes, you know, currently people who are currently living on this planet. So, you know, when you look at, when you look at the NBA season, all of these teams are going through the exact same thing right now. Yeah. You know, every team is different in terms of who's, who the players are on that team and every team is handling it in a slightly different way, I'm sure but every team is still going through the same exact thing right now. We're all going through, you know, this period of uncertainty. We're all going through this period of not knowing what the next steps are going to be, what the league is going to do next, uh, you know, how they're going to handle, you know, are we going to have, are we going to jump right into the playoffs as I've talked before on the podcast about, 
Are we going to have uh, teams in one or two centralized locations? You know, how is this all going to come together in a way that makes sense, that can, you know, not only makes sense, not only is efficient, but also keeps players, keeps people safe. You know, that's, that's the key as well. So there's been a ton of uncertainty about it, but every one of these teams has gone through the exact same thing. We're all dealing with it. So I don't agree that nobody would respect the champion. Why not? Why wouldn't you respect the champion? You know, every this, no team is getting an unfair leg up on the competition. No team is getting an unfair advantage through all of this. Um, you know, you maybe you can argue, you can argue, certainly make the argument that an older team such as the Lakers, maybe they benefit from this because they're an older team, they get more time to rust. Okay, fine, argue that, argue that. That's that's cool, but that's not the Lakers intentionally trying to make efforts to gain an unfair advantage. That's not the same thing. It's not a cheating scandal of any sort. This isn't the Houston Astros. Every team is going through the same thing. And yeah, maybe it benefits some teams more than others. Maybe it hinders some teams more than others. But every team is going through the exact same process that everyone is going through. So I don't agree with Shaq's comments that nobody would respect the champion because there hasn't been any sort of unfair advantage given to one team or the other. So uh, I don't think the NBA should scrap this season. I think the NBA should be making every effort to try and come back this year. Now, of course, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that has to be done in such a way that will keep people safe, keep people healthy. Um, we, we don't want another catastrophe, you know, where we had going back two months ago where we had the Rudy Gobert situation um, and, and, you know, just the catastrophe that it was through the league. We don't want another situation such as that. Um, and I would totally agree. And, and I think that for the NBA, that has to be the first and foremost priority before we go anywhere with this season. But if they can make that happen, if they can find a way, and I don't know what they're going to do, but if they can find a way where they can have the teams come back, you know, regular testing, um, you play without fans, maybe you hop right into the playoffs. All are solutions that I've discussed, that the league has discussed at length. You try to play this season out. We still have time. It's still only May 11th. We could still, if we started this season up in, in early to mid-July, we could still wrap things up by Labor Day. It could still be done. So we still have time. It's not a dire situation as of yet. It's May 11th. It's not June 11th uh, yet or July 11th. So we still have time to figure it out. And I think in the coming two to three weeks or so, four weeks or so, we're going to know more. Um, and then we're going to be able to, or at least the league is going to be able to make a more educated decision about how they can handle this. But I don't agree at all that you should be scrapping this season. And I don't agree at all that nobody would respect the NBA champion. And Jared Dudley, the forward for the Lakers, he came out the other day uh, basically in a tweet re in response to Shaq's comment uh, saying that he did not agree either. And he outlined some of the uh, financial implications for the league moving forward into the coming years if this season is completely axed, if it's completely canceled. Um, you know, and, and these guys want to play. And I, there's been some players who have come out and they've shared some skepticism on, on playing and, you know, are nervous to play, C.J. McCollum being one of them. Uh, but I, I think the vast majority of these guys want to play. They want to play basketball, you know, especially, you know, if you're a team, if you're a team like the Cavs, if you're a team like the New York Knicks, if you're the Sacramento Kings, if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, maybe you don't want to play. 
if you're a team that's out of it. But every team that's in contention, every team that feels like they could be an NBA champion this season, they want to play out this year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So, you know, I love Shaq, love the guy as a personality, great player, one of the best of all time. But I can't say that I agree with his comments here. I think the NBA needs to be making every effort that it can as long as they're they're going about it the smart way and as long as they're approaching it uh, with the intentions of making it as safe and healthy as they can for the players. I think that's what they have to do. You know, that's the top priority. That's what the NBA is going to be looking to do before they make any further decisions on where they're going to be playing, how they're going to be playing out the rest of this season. But if they can do it in a way where you can assure uh, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. We know there's going to be hiccups. We know that there's going to be the possibility of a player, um, a coach, a referee, potentially uh, testing positive for COVID-19. That's always going to be a possibility for as long as this virus is around, and it's going to be around for a while. We just have to acknowledge that. We have to not be happy about it, but we do have to accept it. So, the NBA's top priority is going to be health before they make any other additional moves. But if they can do this in a way that assures health and that assures that the, the, the precautions are going to be in place and, and going to be taken in order to best proceed with this season without endangering uh, a lot of other people, I think that's what the NBA needs to do. And, and so that's why I would agree with Jared Dudley on this one, and uh, I don't agree with Shaq. Uh, so lastly today on the podcast, I'm going to talk about one of the, the trends, the, the trends that we're seeing in the game of basketball that uh, is really upsetting a lot of people, uh, and, and it's certainly one that's not going away. So I wanted to discuss it. Um, it's a little bit of a hybrid topic between the NBA and college basketball as well, but one of the things that we are seeing more and more in the game of basketball is more star talent from the the high school game, uh, from the high school ranks, going to the G League or going overseas in some instances, rather than going to college, bypassing college, and instead going to places again, whether that be the G League or whether that be uh, different leagues overseas, in order to get paid. So the the most recent example of this, the one of the most popular examples of this uh, that we've seen in the recent weeks was Jalen Green. Jalen Green is the top high school prospect for this year's class. Um, he could have gone to a, a wide variety of colleges that were interested in him, uh, but instead he's going to be going to the G League where he can make uh, upwards of $500,000 this season. Now, listen, I, I understand, kid. I understand. If you if you told me I could be making $500,000, I'd move just about anywhere. I mean, put me in Antarctica with the Penguins. I don't care. Uh, so I, I certainly understand wanting to go and make $500,000. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is this is a trend that is, is scaring a lot of people within basketball. You know, people are, are afraid of this. You know, what's going to happen to the college game? All these players are, are deciding to go to the G League and deciding to go overseas. College basketball is going to have no star talent. The game, the game is dead. The game is dying. No. Hold your horses a second. Hold your horses just a second. First of all, we just had a superstar talent in college basketball last year. His name was Zion Williamson. Just had a superstar talent last year. This, this trend of guys moving from high school to the G League or overseas, 
it, it, it's not just starting this year. It's it's been going on a few years. It's been going on a handful of years. We just had a mega superstar talent in the game of college basketball last year with Zion Williamson, and and we're going to see that still. You're gonna have top high school talent. They're gonna want to play for Mike Shashevsky. They're gonna want to play for Roy Roy Williams at UNC. They're gonna want to play for Mark Few at Gonzaga. They're going to want to play for Bill Self at Kansas. You're still going to see top, high-level, high-school basketball talent going to college rather than these G Leagues or uh, overseas. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that this is an emerging trend. This is a trend we are seeing in college basketball more and more over the past five, six, seven, eight years, and is going to be a trend that is going to continue. It's not slowing down. And you're going to have to, again, accept the trend for what it is. But folks, sports change. Sports change. Every sport changes. Not just college basketball, but sports change in general. Everything about it. Look, just look at college basketball briefly for a minute. College basketball has changed in a multitude of ways just over the past 10 to 15 years. You know, it used to be decades ago, and I wasn't around to see it, but it used to be decades ago the guys, the top high school talent, not only would they go to college, but they would want to stay in college for three, four years before transitioning to the NBA. That's not the way it is anymore. It's just not. You don't see the top high school talent. You know, you're lucky, really. You're lucky if a guy who if a guy who projects to be a first round pick, uh, it stays a second year, stays a sophomore year. You should be fortunate if you're that college. You should be fortunate if you're that coach if you're getting back a guy who's projected to be a first-round pick in the draft for a sophomore season. So it's not it's not the way that it used to be. And I think that John Calipari at Kentucky, he was really the first guy or one of the first guys to embrace that idea, you know, and say, look, I might only have you for a year, but I'm happy to have you while you're here. So uh, he was one of the first guys to embrace that trend. But nowadays, we know that more coaches are embracing that trend. More coaches are accepting it for what it is. And that's just how it's going to be. We know that. Uh, it's not something that should have surprised people. You know, the more the more money that there is in the NBA, of course, that's going to be more attractive to uh, high school and college talent. So why would they want to stay three years? Why would they want to stay four years? You know, if you're a first-round pick, hey, you know, if you're, if you're a fringe you're a fringe draft pick, if you're a fringe second round pick, uh, then you, you want to stay. You want to stay and you want to try to up your draft stock. But if not, what's really the benefit of staying? So that's just one of the things you have to accept about college basketball. And like I said, sports change. It's not just college basketball either. Every sport has changed so much in just a, the past decade or maybe two decades. Look at college football. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I can't believe to myself I, I can't even fathom the fact that up until 2013, I think it was, we didn't have a, a college football playoff. How did you not have a playoff in college football? How, how, how did you let uh, computers decide who makes the national championship game? That doesn't make any sense. It never really did make any sense. But up until 2013, that's just the way it was. That's just the way it was in college football. So sports change. You know, in baseball, it used to be, uh, used to be like left-handed power hitters. You line a shot into right field, you get a base hit. You get a single. Nowadays, you get a left-handed power hitter. He lines a shot into right field. Oh, wait, that's where the second baseman is now. They didn't have defensive shifts uh, 15 years ago. You know, Joe Madden with the Rays, he was one, really the first guy who popularized that, the defensive shifts. And now, 
every team embraces it. You're crazy if you don't. You're 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 looked at as an idiot if you don't embrace those analytics in baseball. So sports change constantly from year to year, and leagues change constantly from year to year. That's just part of it. That's just part of it. And I think that's part of what you have to accept when it comes to college basketball. Now that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean that college basketball for three or four weeks in the month of March, when you combine the the conference tournaments with the uh, the NCAA tournament, that doesn't mean college basketball is not going to be the most exciting, most awesome, most edge of your seat sporting event of the spring. It still will be that. It still will be that, and you're still going to have. A, a great number of talented college basketball players who are playing in those conference tournaments, who are playing in the NCAA tournament. You're still going to have that. But you have to just acknowledge and accept the fact that there will be some individuals. LaMelo Ball was one of them. He went overseas. Okay, good for him. Made some money. Good for him. You know, got some exposure over there. He's going to be a top pick. He could be, in fact, the number one overall pick in the draft this year, whenever the draft may be. Uh, so good for him, and that's awesome. And and I don't I don't fault any player for doing that. Uh, seriously, again, like I said uh, a handful of minutes ago, you gave me five hundred thousand dollars to work somewhere. Heck, I'll go to Antarctica with the Penguins. I, it doesn't matter to me. So you know, and, and that's not to say that I'm all about the money, although it, it certainly sounds like it when I say that. But it's just you, you have to you have to be honest. You have to you have to be honest with yourself. You know, these kids, seventeen, eighteen years old. They see all this money in front of them. They see the potential and the opportunity that's await that awaits them. They they don't want to go to college for a year. Some of them, but some of them will. There's always going to be guys, and so that's why you shouldn't worry if you're a college basketball fan. You're not going to have the Zion's of the world staying for three, four years, uh, like they used to back in the day, back in the the 70s, back in the 80s, back in the 90s. You're not going to have that, but there will be top level high school talent. McDonald's All-American talent that st- still sees value in playing a year under Bill Self, still sees value in playing a year under Coach K, John Calipari. You're gonna have those players, and so when I look at college basketball, you know this I, it's a problem for them, but it's also uh, something that they have to they should have been more prepared for. First of all, they should have they should have seen the writing on the wall a little bit more, but it's also something that I think they can navigate. They can navigate it because at the end of the day, when you get to the month of March, no matter who it is, you know, in those uniforms, you know, when, when you still have those powerful brands that everybody knows, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, when you still, UCLA being another one, uh, when you still have those powerful brands that everybody knows and, and that are, you know, the, the most popularized brands in college sports, you have those teams all coming together on the biggest stage of them all in the month of March for March Madness, people are still going to watch and people are going to love March Madness just the same, no matter who it is inside those uniforms playing for those teams. People are going to love college basketball and March Madness just the same. And so college basketball, yeah, it's a trend they have to keep an eye on. It's a trend they should have been better prepared for. I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. And they shouldn't be surprised when a top-level talent wants to take their talents uh, from high school directly to the G League if they can get paid, or directly to overseas if they can get paid. They shouldn't be college basketball shouldn't be surprised about that. But the game will go on. Leagues change, leagues evolve. the The game of college basketball will still be great. 
because for those three or four weeks in March, college basketball is still unequivocally the best sporting event of the spring. So uh, that's going to do it for me today, actually, on the Stop and Pop podcast. I want to thank you again for joining me today. Um, also, recently, just in the past week, have started a new YouTube channel, football, not basketball, but football. It's called the Hard Count Podcast. So go give it a follow, uh, subscribe, listen to my content. Um, got a new video coming every week as we gear up for the NFL season a few months from now. So go check it out, the Hard Count Podcast on YouTube. So thank you again for joining me today on the Stop and Pop Podcast. Um, next episode, I will give more complete and thorough thoughts regarding the Michael Jordan documentary after its finale next Sunday. So thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you next time on the Stop and Pop podcast.